Your move, creep. Wish me luck, Freezer. You go, Ben Coco. Dino DMA. Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. It's the only thing I know how to do. It's a good looking boy. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate. That's night more! Welcome to Earth. You crossed the line. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Retrograde Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about older movies. We talk about how they were made, how they were received, and whether or not they hold up. I am Austin. And I'm George. All right, guys. So if you didn't already know, we this is a James Cameron month. I mean, we've talked about the original Avatar. The second one was just released 11, 12 years after the first one. <laughs> 13, 13. 13 years. And Austin and I are actually going to be recording an episode on Avatar 2. Kind of our thoughts. Kind of just a quick breakdown. It's a li- little more loosey-goosey. Just a general discussion. As part of our new Patreon content coming out next year. We're going to have a lot of cool stuff there. We're going to talk about newer, newer releases. We're going to play like... We're going to have like a little contest between each other. We're going to come up with like sequels to movies within 30 minutes. And we're not going to know what the movie is until we record the episode. We're going to have tier lists on where we think, you know, movies in a franchise are in relation to each other. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of exciting stuff on the Patreon. And we just kind of want to give you a little taste of it. So we're going to be working on Avatar 2 episode, posting that up. That way you guys get a feel for, oh, what is this all about? And then we're going to be doing a lot more. I know we want to talk about Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Uh, Another thing I wanted to do, which Austin doesn't know, is I want to do what we did last year, which is like a, a, a year review of the movies we've seen and quickly talk about them. I thought that was a really fun episode. And I feel like that one it was be, really fun. That could be like a Patreon exclusive as well. For you guys that, oh, well, what movie should I check out? We'll let you know. Yeah, but it's all it's all going to be coming out on the Patreon. There's going to be some like low tier subscriptions where it's like $2 and you get the stuff. And then for like the the $15 mark is just because you want to show us a lot of support. Like, I don't know if we're going to have a lot of time to record stuff that's like actually worth $15. But if you think that, you know, us doing these two episodes a month on here and then the Patreon stuff, if you think all of that's worth $15, you want to give us $15, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> but you don't have to. No, absolutely not. But we love all the support that you guys have been giving us. And we're really excited to go into this next year, fully prepared to put out a ton more episodes. And if you don't want to, that's totally fine. We'll still be putting out these bi-weekly episodes on the podcast or as close to bi-weekly because, you know, schedules get crazy and stuff. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we go crazy and decide we're going to record an episode every week. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Some weeks we we won't post for a month, and then and the other month we'll just post every week to make up for it. So it's we've got a lot of great stuff for you guys. So keep an eye out for the Patreon. We'll be posting it on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You'll you'll hear about it. This week we have a really great film that we're gonna be watching. Austin, what are we gonna be talking about this week? This week we will be talking about James Cameron's Titanic from 1997. The one with Jack and Rose, where the big boat sinks, <laughs> and people are confused about how buoyancy works <laughs> at the end. <laughs> yeah, uh, I first saw this movie 
when I was a child, and it, it had like I remember like the giant VHS box sets, yep. mm-hmm. and how you the movie was so long, you had to have two tapes to watch the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't remember if I finished watching it my the first time I saw it because I remember as a child seeing all the people drown was very a, a lot for me. Oh, so really? I had to like walk out of the room. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting! And then walk out of the room and cry. I remember that for my first time watching the movie. <laughs> I can't tell you the first time I saw this movie. Like I mm-hmm. saw it young. My parents also had the VHS case, and I remember thinking like that was the only. We had a big VHS collection, but that was the only movie that I remember came in two cassettes. <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, that's a lot." And I remember not liking anything except for when he drew her naked. The sex scene <laughs> and the boat crashing. Like, the, those were the only parts that I liked. Nothing mm-hmm. else interested me. I was like... And the boat crashing... Like, th- that's the thing. Like, you were crying. I was like, whoa, that's so cool. It was cool until you could see all the people... I think it was, like, seeing the frozen bodies, like, in the in the water. That's when I was like, oh, this is too much. I, okay, I definitely remember thinking, oh, that's like... Ooh, this is really bad. Like, this is mm-hmm. not a good situation to be in. Uh, but it's it seems like it hit you a lot closer emotionally. Yeah, but I was I was a kid, so I I just like you see the explosions and stuff, and the people running, and then the water crashing. It's all like action stuff, mm-hmm. you know. But I think it was seeing the frozen bodies and seeing so many of them. That's what was like. Oh, this isn't fun anymore. Yeah. But when I when I watched it older, it was that it didn't affect me as much. I guess. Growing up watching it, I was like, I don't really give a shit about this except for those three scenes. When I got older, I rewatched the movie in 2012. Me and my girlfriend at the time went to the theater in Irvine because the film was re-released for its, to celebrate the 100 year of the Titanic sinking. So we watched it in theaters uh, in 3D. And that's when I really like, oh, I like this movie. Like, this is a great movie. I think at that point, I really saw the picture for what it was, like a movie and I saw, like, what he was trying to do. I appreciated everything. The cinematography, the music, the acting. I was like, oh, wow, this is really compelling. And, like, I really like Jack and Rose. And at the end, I was like, wow, this still looks really good. Like, the, the ship crashing and stuff. And I just remember walking out like, wow, that was a good movie. Like, that was, that was a great movie. And then my date, like, she was crying. She was, like, her eyes were bawling. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why, why are you crying? She's like, because yeah, that really happened, you know, like in historical, in a his, like real life setting, like that, that actually happened. Like that boat sank. A lot of people died. A lot of them froze to death. And I guess she got really into it. And it like, you know, she was, she was really affected by it. So mm-hmm. this movie could really put you, can really put a chokehold on your feelings, man. Because you might be really <laughs> sad for Jack, sad about the people that really died it's it's a lot yeah but it the movie is more than just like a boat sinking right like who like a boat sinking could be like the beginning of another movie Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) um i think the the thing that really makes people love this movie is you get to to see all these characters on this boat you see like the class dynamics you see that they have Mm -hmm. their their lives ahead of them it's like the beginning of a romance Oh, absolutely. It's It's the classic romance story. This rich, aristocratic family, we can't have our daughter date some poor loser, and he's trying to, like, Mm -hmm. 
show her like how the regular people live and she's <laughs> it's yeah it's that that it's classic it's kind of tropey but it's classic for a reason because people really really like it and this movie yeah. does that really well yeah and the the bad guy too like billy zane yeah i forget i forget his character's name but i remember billy zane because of, of zoolander yeah it's it's going to be interesting to go back and see because I remember watching it again when I was older and I was kind of um, frustrated with how simple it portrayed the the people below the deck, mm-hmm. you know, as they're just having a good time. Mm-hmm. But like, what about does it go into their like financial troubles? Does it go into why they're on the boat? Like, what are they? Oh, Austin, you're overthinking it, do? man. This isn't a thesis on <laughs> class structures back in the olden days. This is about boy likes rich girl rich girl likes poor guy they want to <laughs> fuck but billy zane won't let them he's cock blocking them all the time so then they got to run away but then the boat sinks you're overthinking it bro it's a three-hour movie i i would think that they i don't know maybe there's something that i missed because i was like going into it already like is this movie that good no, yeah, no. So. well that's a that's a very interesting point i, I think it's even longer than three for the life of you, I cannot tell you what happens in the three. I mean, yes, you know, Jack and Rose, they, you know, go on adventure. I'm king of the world. Yeah, you know, all that shit. Like, the boat sinks. The boat sinking is, like, probably an hour of the film. Hour, maybe it's, like, half the film, for all I know. But what's in the other, what's in the rest of the film? I, I can't remember. And if you're going to spend three and a half hours, like, I mean, what are these people doing? You're like, what are you talking about, James Cameron? Like, what, you say, what you're saying is a good point. Like, do they go into the lives of these people? Now, I'm saying, eh, do we really need to go into that? I feel like Ben Burns in a documentary can cover that. But, <laughs> but if you're making, but that's, a, that's for a film that you're making, like, for two hours. But if you have an hour and a half on top of that, it's like, oh, shit, man. I need to be able to, like, I could be, like, a licensed Titanic expert by the end of this thing. Or I should be. If you're telling me to spend three and a half hours, what is that time being dedicated to? And that's my question going into this because I saw the film 10 years ago and I can't remember. I could tell you I liked it, but I don't know. Yeah, I think it is no doubt, like, a very well-made movie. Mm -hmm. But what what is it about aside from... The, the tragic romance is is there something else that the film's trying to say i wonder i'm not someone that gets really picky about run times i feel like if you need to you could take whatever time you want take as much time as needed but i need to be able to walk out and say like oh he used his time wisely and and he typically does mm-hmm. use his time wisely like yes. we've seen we've seen two avatar movies now and we're like yeah, it's it's a long movie, but I didn't feel it. Well, what was yeah. interesting with like the second one, especially because I saw it in theaters, was I didn't really think about too much of the runtime. You know, no, I've got I my, didn't either. I you know <laughs> I have my beefs with the story here and there, but for the most part, I wasn't like, oh, can this movie fucking end? Which I have seen shorter films and felt that. And from definitely what, what I can remember is not having that feeling for Titanic. I don't remember thinking fuck let's move it like let's let's go let's mm-hmm. i want to see the come on iceberg exactly <laughs> like i don't remember saying that i remember being invested in the relationship but you know i mean 10 years later i'm still kind of curious because i've probably only seen this movie from beginning to end maybe twice when i was a kid and in 2012 i've seen bits of it throughout i definitely remember going to the skipping to like the drawing scene in the vhs <laughs> I was young, man. Yeah, you know, you, you, back in back in the day, people people used to like. I guess boys used to like 
look at certain sections of the Sears magazines. You know, <laughs> that was their that was their ticket. Yeah, but and I'll say this. I mean, back then, you know, you were like, "Ooh, I want to, I want to see, I want to see boobies." But mm-hmm. you know, nowadays, I feel like uh, there's a lack of romance in a lot of mainstream films. I'm really curious to see kind of revisit this. I mean, this is something we've talked mm-hmm. about before and before. Um, one of the films being Dirty Dancing, right? Like, the romance is so a part of the story. Mm-hmm. And here is a movie where romance is the main thing. Whoa, the class struggle thing is also part of that movie, too. Well, no, it's 100%. It's, it's both of those intertwined, and I'm really excited to see that again. And to revisit that scene, like, it's, you know, I mean, how long? It's probably been 20... 21 22 years since i used to do that just skip to the to those parts of the movie <laughs> so i'm like it's it's nice to revisit it as an adult not really mm-hmm. e- like not eagerly skipping to that part now i'm like all right let's yeah. watch the movie let's see how he does this and is it romantic is it tasteful or like you know what yeah. i mean like it's it's nice to re-examine that scene as an adult mm-hmm. i wonder how they they got away with it to to put in a PG thirteen film because like nudity is usually like oh this is rated R now so I wonder what happened if if somebody had to be convinced to give it a PG thirteen rating because I don't I haven't seen it very much we could look into that well the rating could be really interesting because outside of the nudity I mean you talk about the violence at the end you know with people dying in mass you know and mm-hmm. was there any discussions with the mpaa at the time was it even worse that, that they had to cut back or did james I, i'm really curious to see about the rating because yeah nudity is part of it but at the end i mean you're seeing people like fall to their death being crushed drowning that one that one guy that bounces still makes me laugh oh well if i would if i were to look at it right now it would probably no no i I remember laughing at that part too but i mean it's it's the it's the mass of death yeah and just and again seeing all those dead bodies was it even worse because i mean we've only seen the actual we don't know how far they went and if the MPAA had to go in and say, oh, no, no, you got to, you got to, this is what you got to cut. And maybe like, were those sex scenes and the nudity even more prevalent? I don't know. Well, the sex scene is just like a hand coming up on a steamed car window. No, no, right? no. But maybe, <laughs> but maybe they felt, they maybe they filmed more nudity. Maybe they were a little bit more suggestive. And maybe the, the Raiders were saying like, no, you need to cut back on this and this. Or the studio might have said that because <laughs> like I mean that window needs to be foggier yeah well because <laughs> and again this movie cost a lot to make back then in 97 it cost 200 million dollars which is a fuck ton it cost so much to make people thought that this movie would tank like it would be they were there's all kinds of like puns about how it would tank at the box office or something yeah and <laughs> if you're spending that much to reach mm-hmm. a mass audience you might want to tone down the sex the nudity the violence at the end so i you know i'm that's actually a really good point how was how did they decide on the rating for this film and if if there if compromises needed to be made that's that's one thing i'm interested in a bunch of the behind the scenes stuff because i know leo almost didn't get cast i know that this movie was really difficult to film and it was expensive Mm mm-hmm I want to know how James Cameron was. James Cameron was because apparently he was really toxic. 
even Kate Winslet now is coming out saying like, oh yeah, the James that the Jim that directed Avatar Two is very different from the James that directed Titanic. Which I want to go in a little bit deeper into that. Mm-hmm. And I'm also really curious about the story about being on set where I guess someone laced some fruit juice with PCP or something, and the what? crew was high as fuck. Yeah, have you not heard wow. this? I I might have heard it before, but I don't know if it, I don't know if it's I, real or not. But I think I saw something where online where someone was like the crew got accidentally high and the the the, the grips were doing wheelies on set and James Cameron was really pissed. <laughs> He's like, where'd my juice go? <laughs> and there's there's a lot of fun things, a lot of fun tidbits as well. Like the people, the crew just started peeing on set like in the like on when like on the water sets because there were very little bathroom breaks so they would just pee in the water that's not fun no that's uh, why did you say there's fun stuff that's kind of fun i mean reading about it now in in the day of okay but i guess reading about okay you know in retrospect this movie being like 25 years you know it's like oh no we we all swim in pools we know how many kids pee in those waters I don't want to think about that. No, no, don't think about that. But um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of fun things about this movie from the behind the scenes that I'm really curious about. Okay, that sounds great. Uh, let's go back to 1997 and talk about that box office. Now, again, like last time, this movie came out at the very end of December. So it only made its money in 97 for about uh, 12 days. Okay, so keep that in mind. So at the domestic box office for 1997, the number one movie of the year was Men in Black. Whoa. Will Smith. Um, Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. Great movie. The sequel, I don't like so much, but the first one is great. Number two, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, hmm. Jurassic Park 2. Number three, Liar Liar with Jim Carrey. Number four, Air Force One, Harrison Ford as our president. Uh, number five, was a re-release of Star Wars, A New Hope. Number five at the box office is <laughs> Star Wars. Uh, number six, My Best Friend's Wedding. Number seven, Titanic. Number eight, Face Off. Number nine, Batman and Robin. And number 10, George of the Jungle. Nice. Okay, wow. Very interesting box office. Yeah. And Titanic also was number coming- five or six? was number seven. Oh, number seven. Damn. Number seven. It outgrossed all, like, a bunch of movies in 12 days. That's mm-hmm. less than that's, two weeks, that's, bro. That's just at the domestic box office, too. International, like, worldwide, uh, in 97, Titanic was number one. In 12 days. Damn. Well, it came out in Tokyo in November 1st, so it had like two months in Tokyo. And it came out in South Africa on the 20th. But that's still like, that's not a lot of runway in order to, to get to the top of the box. And it did! Mm-hmm. And it, it was, it's one of the highest grossing movies ever made. It was beaten, its, it's record is the highest grossing movie was beaten by Avatar in 2009. So adjusted for inflation, Titanic is number five. So it's Gone with the Wind, Stars and New Hope, Sound of Music, E.T., Titanic, Ten Commandments, Draws, Dr. Sivago, The Exorcist of Snow White. Now, adjusted for inflation just means, obviously, that 
tickets are more expensive than they were like 70 years ago so you know using some math uh it all kind of evens out but also money is is uh less about like the dollar value is less valuable than what it used to be yeah yeah dollar back then would get you a house <laughs> i don't know I, I don't, I don't. <laughs> probably not a house no. but <laughs> but it, uh but so that's all it is and i mean granted there's a lot of there's a lot of differences now audiences have a lot of things to entertain themselves with back in the day when Gone with the Wind came out, you didn't have anything else to do. So it's like, fuck it, let's just go to the movies. Nowadays, <laughs> so it, it's, it, there's a lot of factors to consider. But that just goes mm-hmm. to show that Titanic and Avatar have definitely been staples in at least our generations, Austin. Because, I mean, we we're born with this stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, I was four years old when Titanic came out. I was four years old. How old were you? Seven. Seven. So, yeah, man. I mean, whew. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm excited to revisit this. I think this is going to be good. I think I'm going to be pumped. I'm going to be excited as well. Uh, let's see. Where can we actually stream Titanic? Okay, you can watch it free on Pluto. And you can watch it. You can rent it for $3 from like Amazon, Redbox, Vudu, YouTube. And I guess $4 from Apple TV. Maybe they have like the... Like it's in higher definition. I don't know. No, no, no. It's four dollars in in uh, in uh, four dollars in Amazon Prime as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I guess Google's lying to me. Yeah, it's three ninety nine. <laughs> or if you want, you could put because I, I feel like every family had the VHS of this movie. Just go pull mm-hmm. out the VHS. You know. <laughs> See if you rewound it, or where it's, or if George was using your VHS and it's at the, the, the painting scene. Oh my god! You know what? I should find the VHS and see if it's at that part or like right afterwards <laughs> good times man good times good times joining us on this episode is uh the wife of a previous guest dylan we're going to have anisa on the episode she's a big fan of titanic and we are excited to have her on she's been a fan of ours for since the beginning i think which is which has been great. It was funny too because we were talking about oh yeah you should come on and she's like no I you know I don't want to it's fine like I don't you know I don't really know what to say and then I think we were talking about doing Titanic she's like okay I would want to do that one <laughs> and it's funny because there was someone else a coworker who was like I'd like to go on for Titanic so people want to talk about this movie you know the people really have fond memories of this film so I'm mm-hmm. I'm excited man it's gonna be cool yes all right. And with that, we will see you in one minute. Seeing it coming out of the darkness like a ghost ship still gets me every time. Take a look at this drawing that we found just today. A piece of paper that's been underwater for 85 years. I'll be damned. All right, you have my attention. Can you tell us who the woman in the picture is? Oh, yes. The woman in the picture is me. Paul, every string I could. The book is on the grandest ship in history. You act as if you're going to your execution. Forget it, Boyle. You'll never get next to the likes of her. I'd be like you, Jack. Just head out for the horizon whenever I feel like it. I've got ten bucks in my pocket. I have nothing to offer you, and I know how the world works. I'm flying! 
Hello everybody, we are back from watching 1997's Titanic, written and directed by James Cameron, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet. And with us, we have a guest. Welcome, Anissa. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So Anissa is uh, Dylan's wife, and Dylan has been in a few of our episodes. He was with us for Matrix and our end of the year talk about, oh, what was it? It was our New Year special. Yeah, about the, f the future of putting movies on streaming. Yes, because we were because that was when Warner Brothers decided to debut the day and date release strategy for 2021. I re okay, I got it now. And you, we had hung out with Anissa and Dylan during uh, during 2021, and we I think we watched like Black Widow, Mortal Kombat, Mortal, Mortal Kombat. Kombat. Okay, so we did watch a few movies together, and we we're like, hey Anissa, when when do you want to come by the podcast? What movie do you want to talk about? And I remember at first you're like, oh, I don't know. I, I, you know. There's so many movies. I don't know. And then somehow I think you brought up the fact or we were talking about Titanic because I guess the anniversary Titanic came into the conversation and you were like, actually, I want to do that movie. Like you were determined to talk about Titanic, Anissa. Am I right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> it, I think it was one of my first the first movies I've ever seen, like in theaters. Okay. So so we like to talk about our like first relationships with the movie that we're going to talk about. So what was the what was it like for you like the first time you watched Titanic? Honestly, I I don't know. Like I it's not like I guess, you know, when you're that young cuz I honestly <laughs> I don't think I was supposed to be there. I was 7 or 8. <laughs> um I don't think my family knew like what it's about or anything, but when you're that young, like you kind of just go wherever your family is taking you. You just go. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not like, like I was Rose. like, I, there, yeah, there wasn't really a hype or anything for me. I didn't even know what I was walking into. Um, they're just like, we're just going to sit here and watch this movie. And I was like, great, cool. Let's do it. Um, it yeah. So I didn't, I didn't, it, it wasn't like a thing. When did it become a thing for you? By like, you know, watching the movie, I got really excited and, I think I kind of identified a little bit with Rose. So mm -hmm. that was uh, that's what got me into it. It's obviously hard to come up with a actual number. But if you had to say, like, how many times you've seen the movie, how would you say? Like double digits, maybe triple digits. Some movies <laughs> we just replay and replay. It's, <laughs> is it a lot or just kind of like a medium amount? But it, it left a real strong impression on you. I think it depends what a medium amount is. So I don't know, probably like 30 times or so. 30 times. Uh, this it was movie's three hours long. Yeah. That's like 90 <laughs> hours of Titanic. <laughs> That's yeah. a lot. Maybe it wasn't like end to end. It's not like I started. Okay. And, you know, a lot of times it was on, <laughs> if you guys remember, it was on cable uh, a lot. Mm -hmm. So. That's probably four hours. <laughs> but you've seen, but you've seen this movie a lot of times from beginning to end, and you've kind of revisited certain sections that resonated with you. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's it's interesting because there was such an enthusiasm you had when you talked about Titanic. We were like, "Oh, that's the movie I want to talk about," and I always find that really interesting when a movie just attaches itself to you, and even if you wanted to. You can't 
you can't just abandon this movie. So what is it about the movie that just immersed you, that you loved? Like, up to this day, like, things that you're like, this, I love this, this, and this. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, when you're watching a movie like that, um, you know, that young, really all I had to go off of was probably Disney Disney movies or something. So to me, and I know, like, James Cameron isn't really known for this, but to me, Rose was a really well-written character. <laughs> so mm. I guess that's what made it kind of exciting because you get to see lots of characters. You get to kind of empathize with them, learn learn who they are and everything. And um, and then, like, it's all the action, too. It's It had pretty much everything. Yeah, there's a, a lot more punches in this movie thrown than I remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm curious because uh, Austin and I were talking about this a little bit in the first part. So you were you were a young child when you saw this movie and this movie does have some pretty heavy imagery towards the end of the the, the ship sinking, you know, people dying in a manner a lot of different ways. Did that kind of affect you growing up? Did those images hit you hard or was it just kind of a fantasy film like, "Oh, this is just fantasy. This is make believe. I don't I'm not registering this on an emotional level or how did how did the ending impact you? I I don't remember. Like honestly, when I was 7 or 8, like did I cry watching the movie? I don't know, probably, but I I can't recall, you know. Um so it's kind of a hard question, but like I guess is your question it was pretty violent. It was pretty like there's a lot of emotions in there. How did I process emotion at that time? <laughs> like, I don't, well, I don't think it with as much color as I do now, but. Well, how okay. does that scene like get to you now? Now? Um, like, like with the ship sinking? Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I kind of understand like what's happening more. Um, you don't really realize that people are dying. Like in a way you just kind of um, uh, until, you know, like as you grow up, you're like, oh, wow, this is a lot of people dying. Um and I think it's kind of like in the beginning of the movie when Rose is being explained to like what's happening and it's very technical and this guy is like explaining like what happens and the, and the, the ship cracks in half and all that stuff. And she's just like, like reliving it all. I feel like now you can, as an adult, I can kind of relive it more than um, back then. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, I, I 100% get exactly what you're saying because I... Because I, I feel the same way almost to a certain extent because I watched this movie as a child and I, I'll just be, I, we mentioned this in the first part, but the, my favorite parts was seeing Rose naked, the sex scene in the car, and the ship sinking. Like very callously, like that was young George's experience with Titanic. <laughs> but then I saw it in 2012 and I appreciated it a lot more. But there was like an emotional aspect to that ending that just did not resonate with me, that it did with other people. And revisiting the film again... 10 years later for the podcast that scene like hits completely different now that i'm an adult in fact the whole movie hits differently and i'm just like definitely and now i'm watching it and i'm just like oh my god like this is a straight up tragedy that that we're witnessing and it's brutal and oh yeah it has this coat of melodrama of of romance and wonder and excitement but it has a brutal ending that I don't think I ever registered up until this newest rewatching of it. Yeah, there's there's like a level of detail that I didn't really notice before this time. Like I always remember the guy like hitting the the rail and the sound it makes 
And I, I still go like, ooh, it activates the, you know, you're watching like a wrestling match and like the guy jumps off a ladder and he hits something. It's like, ooh, yeah. you know, but then there's that one person that like they fall and they hit one of the engines and they start spinning because they hit it so fast because they were falling so fast. That's just mm-hmm. like, Jesus, that's that's real. You know, that feels more real than the other guy hitting the thing and bouncing and it makes that perfect sound, you know? Mm-hmm. Ugh, it's it's a lot more visceral than I, I remember. As a kid, like, I saw that and I laughed because it reminded me of, like, a cartoon, like Bugs Bunny, you know? Like, mm-hmm. all these animated characters getting thrown off of stuff and hitting the floor and you're just laughing. So when you see the guy falling and hitting the propeller, I laughed because I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of funny. It reminds me of these cartoons. Seeing that out now as an adult, it's just like... Oh my god, like this is awful, man. I couldn't <laughs> laugh. I was just more like shaken just by the whole experience cuz I'm like this really did happen. And I think in this newest viewing that resonated with me a lot more. It's like all of this did happen. I'm seeing a version of it, a fictional retelling of it, but this did happen and it hits a lot more and especially at the end it's just like oh my god. This is a Yeah. I definitely like the movie more now. I think mm-hmm. before I was just kind of like, uh, oh, whatever. Well, actually, the first time I saw it, I remember like having to like step out into the hallway and cry. And I think my sister was there, too. When we see like the bodies of the frozen people in the ocean. Mm-hmm. I remember crying at that specifically. I don't even know if I, I finished the rest of the movie. But the second time I saw it, the 3D re-release, I was like, it's well made, but I don't care about the story. I didn't cry. This time, I feel like different parts of the movie made me more emotional. Not mm-hmm. necessarily the the chaos and the tragedy and the disaster part, but some of the stuff that Jack says to Rose. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm Rose. <laughs> yeah. But we can get into that later. We usually, in, in case anyone out there hasn't seen Titanic in a long time. We like to recap the story at this section, just in case you're like driving or something, you can't really watch it. You can watch it on Pluto TV for free, but there is a lot of commercial breaks. That's how I watched it. I have like the Danny DeVito Jersey Mike's commercial memorized, (laughs) but we will summarize the movie for you really quickly here. Sometimes we'll let our guest summarize it, But if you don't want to summarize it, you don't have to, Anissa. I was prepared for this, actually. (laughs) Yes, Um, nice. So I'm going to try my best because I'm not great at summarizing, to be honest. I'm more in the details. But I'd say Titanic is about the experience of people on the Titanic until when it sinks. So Titanic is a ship traveling from Europe to New York. And it was considered the biggest ship at the time and unsinkable. So this movie follows Rose as an elder who retells the story of when she was 17 as a first class passenger. And you get to meet the rest of the characters on the ship and watch what happened in those three days until uh, until it sank in the aftermath. Damn, brutal. Straight to the point. No, that was <laughs> succinct. I love it. Yes, you're 100% right. Like, that is the framing device. Rose is telling the story. The one aspect I did forget is that the movie does... The the framing device is this treasure hunter played by Bill Paxton. I actually don't remember the character's name. It's okay. He's, just, he's Bill Paxton. Hey, he's, he's a treasure hunter, and they're looking for 
the the what's the pearl? What's the the not the pearl? The diamond. Um, the heart of the ocean. <laughs> the heart of the ocean. And he's mm-hmm. looking for this, but they can't find it. And they discover the painting of Rose that, you know, our, our boy Leo did. And then elderly Rose sees it. She's like, I'll be goddamned. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines. It is, it is. Do you know the significance of that line? I, I don't. We, we will get into that. But then she goes over to the ship where there are, um, like, she goes to the ship. Like, they get invited and she tells the story about how she got the heart of the ocean and kind of everything that happened leading up to it. And from there, it's like Anissa says, like, I didn't even know it was three days, but it's a few days on ship. And you kind of see, you know, Rose and Jack, how they first meet, how Rose is just so exasperated and so depressed about being a part of this this upper elite class that she... Well, it's not not that she's a part of this upper elite class. It's it's the fact that she doesn't really have a choice in the Mm, way that her life is going. Because she's supposed to marry this steel tycoon um, who's played by Billy Zane. Billy Zane! His name is Hoxley? I should have opened up the Titanic. Cal 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 Hockley. Hockley. Cal Hockley. I I don't need the IMDb Anises here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, and Cal is is like rich, but he kind of treats Rose like property, and she, it's clearly Kind of? it's clear that they don't like in the beginning, like he's, he's nice enough in the beginning where it's like, Oh, he's just a rich guy. But as the movie goes on, he's a terrible person, but it's, it's not like super obvious in the beginning. Yeah. So she, she has to marry this guy who she doesn't love and she has no choice in it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing that like makes it because everyone can relate to that being in a place where you don't want to be. And feeling like you have no control over your life. Because to some aspect, we don't really have a lot of control over our lives. So I feel like she's such a great like main character. Because mm-hmm. everybody can relate to her. I think on our last episode, you said that Jack was the main character. Do you still believe that? No, no, no way. Rose is, Rose is very definitively set as the main character of the film. Now, it's Leo's name that always comes up first with Titanic because Leo is, you know, Leo was the hottest thing on the planet. Hot off This of movie his... turned him to a star. Yeah. Well, he was a rising star because he got Oscar nominated for uh, his performance in What's Eating Gilbert Godfrey? Or... Gilbert Grape. Gil- yeah, that <laughs> I've never seen it. I don't, I don't know. Oh, no, Gilbert... you did not. Gilbert no, Godfrey's the guy not. who... Yeah. <laughs> Goodness. Oh no! <laughs> you can just probably re-record. No, 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 no. We, keep we, keep we keep these flub. We keep these flubs in. Okay. <laughs> They're funny. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Gilbert Grape. I've never seen that movie. Wilbert. I don't. I've, I don't. I've never. But he he did get nominated for that. So it's Leo's name that always comes up, right? And you know, I mean, Hollywood loves pushing these guys as like the leads. As the heroes, but mm-hmm. really it is Rose's story, a hundred percent. She's she's the lead that we sympathize with the most. She's like where our framing device is like uh, anchored to. It's her telling the story. <laughs> like <laughs> oh, <laughs> I didn't no. mean it that way, but oh my god, the it happens, dude. Yeah. You're you're like the people that reviewed this movie. They did worse. All right. Okay. You're, yeah. You're I'm not. I'm not doing it intentionally. <laughs> but you're. Yes, you're right. She is forced to marry cal by her Mm -hmm. mother 
their their family's in debt and Cal's got a lot of money and but you know she meets Jack and they start having they start getting to learn each other exchanging life philosophies you know <laughs> and then there starts there's like a spark growing between them and then you know you got that iconic ass scene where he's like paint me like one of your French girls you know <laughs> and then you get chased and there's they make love and then the Titanic sink or hits the iceberg and the last hour and a, the last half of this movie is almost a real-time telling of the Titanic sinking not exactly but almost to yeah. it, like pretty close yeah there, there's like one thing in the beginning which I think and Anissa shared me some of her notes on the movie when she was watching it. And there's one line in particular that comes out in the very beginning of the movie that just is so, like, does not hold up very well. Like, I was eating pho as I was watching the movie, and I was like, no way. She did not just say that. I almost, like, coughed my, my soup. What was it? <laughs> you, you didn't notice? Okay. Um, I she wrote it down. She says it twice. She, she says, well, they... I think well, Jack brings it up Jack, the Jack second says time. It, yeah. But she says, she says, no, she's like, oh, the Titanic was like this, this marvelous eighth wonder of the world, blah, blah, blah. But to me, it was a slave ship mm. taking me to America in chains. Okay. Oh, I did. I did notice that. <laughs> I Jesus did, Christ. I did cringe at that line. Like um, she's getting in this giant ass hat. With like people bringing all of her luggage into the boat, like after we see her in like her her old rose being like taken off of this helicopter with her her dog and her fish, it's old rose telling this story. Mm-hmm. After she has been taken off of the the helicopter with all of her baggage, her little dog and her pet fish, and then telling the story, and she uses those words when in her story she's being. The same thing is happening, basically. She's being taken off. She has a fancy hat. She's got all these people working for her. Like, it's just so tonally, like, oof. No, no, it, it has not aged as well, which is why we do this podcast. <laughs> but mm. um, I do get the, uh, I get the sentiment. Now, don't get me wrong. It's a cringy line, but I got the sentiment. Because at that moment, you don't really realize, like, because you just think she's, like, just some snooty, upper-class like rich girl who just who's being taken on a trip that she doesn't want to go but then as the film goes on you kind of realize that the circumstances behind her being married to cow and you're like oh like it she really does not have a choice i'm not I'm, no 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 again again i'm not i'm i don't want to compare the two i'm not saying slavery is the same as being in the upper class titanic section of the ship being forced to marry yeah, someone she, but yeah, but she's it is, forced to marry somebody to keep being rich whereas like Actual slaves were property 100%. and taken as cargo. It's not. It's not even one for one. It's not even close. But <laughs> but it, it was it was something that peeved me when I heard it. But then kind of going into it, it's like oh I get it a little bit more. Like I get she's being forced into this. Like she really does not have a yeah. choice. And I was like if you're if you, I mean her wanting to kill herself because of that. Like I was like again not one for one it it has not aged well they could have definitely yeah. changed it to something a little it's something that's hard to to watch now i think mm-hmm. understanding more about slavery and the way people like use the term slavery for things that are like that's not the same thing at all maybe you should use a different word i think that does come with um that 
that's been happening a lot more in the 20 in the past 20 years you know we've been mm. we've grown more conscious about these things and it's not just slavery but that's why we do like you said that's why we do the podcast and right? it's it's stuff that we've grown conscious especially in the past 20 years and you know i can't forgive the line but i also sort of kind of get it where i'm like oh okay like you really have no agency <laughs> over anything that you're doing now granted could they have yeah. gone about it very differently yes 100 percent See what all the fuss is about. It doesn't look any bigger than the Mauritania. You could be blase about some things, Rose, but not about Titanic. It's over 100 feet longer than Mauritania, and far more luxurious. Your daughter is far too difficult to impress, Ruth. <laughs> so this is the ship they say is unsinkable. It sir. is unsinkable. Sir. God himself could not sink uh, this ship. Welcome to Titanic. It was a ship of dreams to everyone else. To me, it was a slave ship taking me back to America in chains. Outwardly, I was everything a well-brought-up girl should be. Inside, I was screaming. So let's let's get into the film. Oh, and well, really quickly, let's just cover the ending of the film because we haven't just so people remember a little bit. The uh, the ship obviously sinks. Jack and Rose go down with the ship. They find, like, a piece of furniture or, like, a door. A door that was ripped off the Titanic. They're, they try to get on, but Jack obviously isn't able to get on top of it. But Rose is. He freezes to death. And Rose is rescued by one of the boats um, with some of the survivors from Titanic. They're, they're rescued by another ship. Cal is also also survives, but he, he Rose manages to escape him, hide. She starts a new life in America. She does all the things that she wanted to do with Jack, that her and Jack were talking about doing. But she, you know, she lives a adventurous life. She lives on her own. Her family doesn't know. Like, she takes on a new identity. And we find out that she's actually still carrying the heart of the ocean, right? That this <laughs> diamond that Bill Paxton's treasure hunter character has been looking for, she's actually carried it with her this entire time. And she lets it go tosses it into the ocean as like a final goodbye to Jack. And then you get this beautiful shot of the outside of the Titanic sunken, going in. It kind of dissolves into the Titanic before it sunk. You got all the characters in the main stairwell. And then you've got Leo and Kate and they share a tender kiss and the movie ends. Beautiful ending, by the way. Like that's a, Mm -hmm. like that final sequence is incredible. It definitely leaves a, a good taste in your mouth after watching everything that just yeah. went down. It's especially since it matches a scene earlier in the film when he sneaks a message to her, meet me at the ta- at the clock. And you see the same shot, except it's just him there. And she like walks up the stairs and that's like a movie star making shot, you know, because he's like up there at the top of the stairs, turns around with that freaking smirk on his face. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's repeated at the end. But this time, all of the dead character the people that died on the titanic are like watching them and clapping for them and i feel like it's kind of implying that she died in her sleep and she's like reuniting with jack that way yeah but it's like it's like pretty funny because um it's like all the servants so they're just servants in heaven too i guess (laughs) yeah it's it's a really beautiful shot though it kind of you know there's this the last half of this movie is really sad and depressing and then you've got this final like 
because it doesn't invalidate what just happened right but it kind of kind of spins this story into like oh she's finally reunited with jack you know you, you could assume that she's dead or you could just assume that you know just this is a good way to cap off the film and um it was, it was beautiful all around let's get into the things that we didn't like i think that's a shorter th- list to go through yeah and then we could go to the things that we did like that we <laughs> that we that we enjoyed a lot because i feel like that's just I, I feel like we're all on the same boat that we generally like this movie now granted all it's a on very, the same boat yeah again <laughs> 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 yeah, the, the puns are are not gonna stop guys i'm sorry it's but we're not do. did you do that intentionally i i heard it if i hear it i'm gonna point it out gotcha <laughs> um so yeah let's just start with things that we did just did not like and we kind of briefly covered that where there is that line of dialogue that has not aged well she's comparing the titanic to a slave ship which is like okay it's not one for one uh what mm-hmm. are some things that stand out as not being that that you just did not like let's start with anisa i mean okay so you mean do, do i not like about the movie or do i not like i don't know cal being a jerk like is like a like a fault in the movie, I in guess. Something movie. that, yeah. That's so hard because I was like thinking about what I like about the movie the whole time. <laughs> um, I guess some of the dialogue, like, yeah, part of it was I was in slaves and chains on the ship. And then, you know, like an hour in, like, like Leo's like, I'm going to go row with the slaves. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and then like, I think we had this whole debate. So I watched this with some friends and we had this whole debate of like, Wait, so is she cheating? <laughs> um, mm. they, didn't, they didn't really talk about her feeling guilty at all for what she was doing. But, That's uh, interesting. I can't, I can't really think about, like, what did I not like? Oh, um, I guess I didn't like, like, her daughter. Just her daughter. Like, what was she really there for? She just you know kind of standing around just being a prop. Like, the, some of the <laughs> characters just... aren't really fleshed out. Yeah, I, I think... The one that that bugs me is Fabricio. Yeah. It feels like he's going to be like a, a bigger part of the movie because I guess they're playing poker in teams, right? And so he gets two tickets to, to go on to the Titanic. And then we Fabricio is just kind of there to just say things in a very like exaggerated Italian accent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then he he gets hit by one of the masks at the end of the movie. Yeah, I, I thought he had a bigger storyline. I think I read somewhere that he had a bigger storyline. They cut it. Mm. That's an interesting point because I felt the same way. Now, that being said, it's like, well, that would just add like 10 minutes. And do I need 10 minutes more of Fabrizio? I'm like, eh. No, I, no, it's fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> but but there is that. So there there's Fabrizio and there's Tommy, right? Who's like one of the other like um, lower class like people on the ship. Yeah. And it kind of sets up like, oh, hey, we're going to be a trio of friends. And it's like, nah, you, we are going to forget about you until it's time for you to die, which happens with Fabrizio and Tommy. Mm. Again, I would just say, eh, this movie's already long. And in the end of the day, (laughs) it's not Leo, Fabrizio, and Tommy on the poster. It's Kate and Leo. And I'm like, you know what? Give me more of them. Mm. It is tough to think of negative things about this movie because as I was watching it, just like you and Nisa, I was like, I really can't think of things I dislike, like openly. Like there's nothing, there's a few things here and there, but they're really nitpicks. Like there's nothing in here that's like, oh, 
that's bad. You know, even with some of the dialogue, which, like, is corny at times, but I'm like, eh, it's not, you know. Like, there were more moments when we were rewatching Avatar, for example. <laughs> it's like, everything out there in Pandora is looking to kill you and eat your ass for choo-choo beans. <laughs> That's like, okay, this is just, come on, man. That's, this is so. It's really corny, but I love that line. I, love I like it, it so too, much. but it's not great, it's, man. It's just, it's not great. Is is that not how one of those guys would talk, though? No, I don't think so. You don't think so? No, that, this is what a California, a Canadian thinks Americans sound like. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, I feel like what threw me off of Avatar, sorry to side sidebar this, but. The unobtainium, like, could they have chosen <laughs> oh, yeah. a different name? I don't know. It, it you are one hundred percent correct. <laughs> I I believe that is a a real term. In, I know, in like uh, <laughs> metaphysics or or whatever, and they just like straight up used it, like didn't change anything. So let's use the same thing. But that's but yeah. when you're watching it, it comes off as so corny, right? Where it's just like, okay, yeah. unobtainium. Like, can you hit me with a bigger hammer? But <laughs> but that's the thing with with Titanic. There isn't really that much of that same. Like, you don't have someone here saying juju beans or unobtainium. Now, there's some certain things here and there, but it's mostly stuff that either hasn't aged well or is like, eh, it's corny. But I could buy people saying that. Like, it's not. It's not like Jack's out here is like, hey, girl, look at my drip, you know, or, or, or some. <laughs> Check out my riz. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, the the only thing I, I think threw me off at the time was, and it's real, was the Nickelodeon thing. He's like, I saw it on a Nickelodeon once. And I was like, mm. you watch it too? Like as a little kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, I I hear you. Like, I, I, I always just thought, I assumed that everyone just talked like that. Because I don't know anybody in 1912. And honestly, it's it's not even that... It's not a big hindrance. Like, e- even if you have a bigger problem with it, if you dislike Titanic purely on the dialogue, it's like, whoa, man, you are a real stickler for dialogue then. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. There's some stuff where it's like, it's really on the nose on some things. Like, uh, oh, Picasso, he'll never amount to anything. You know, it's like, obviously Picasso did, and everybody in the... And the audience would probably know that. And then the other guy not knowing who Freud is, when Freud is like the guy everybody thinks of when they think of psychology. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's really like on the nose and it's there so that the general audience can understand that these guys don't know anything. But, but it works. It's not like, it's not a, it's not a bad thing. No, you know? no, no. It, I think it's a good it, thing. I think it works. It's like, is it obvious? Yes. But you get exactly... You get exactly where these guys come from. You get that, oh, Cal doesn't really know shit about art. Yeah, he places himself above um, Rose constantly saying, putting her down, saying, well, she doesn't get it. She doesn't know about this stuff. It's like, bro, she clearly has a way better knowledge than you do. Is it obvious? Yes. But does it work? Yes. And that's key. Does it work? Yes, I think it works. And I think it's okay for, for a movie to be like kind of simple or go for like the low-hanging fruit sometimes you know because I, th- I think this movie is and Cameron's movies in general are kind of made for a mass audience across different cultures across different countries and I, I think there's nothing inherently wrong with that like if you want something that's like super specific and nuanced and everything there's a lot of movies that do that very well yes and to expect that from a movie like Titanic is kind of unfair. 
You know, you're, you're going into it looking for something to dislike, mm-hmm. which is what I think a lot of people do with things that are very popular. If there's something popular, that means there's something wrong with it and everybody's dumb for liking it. If you like Taylor Swift, you're stupid and you don't know real music. <laughs> you're 100% right. 100%. Look, you, you don't have to like the movie. And we're not saying that this is a perfect, flawless film. I don't see any particular flaws. It doesn't sound like we all can. If you don't like it, though, just because it is kind of melodramatic, it is on the nose, that's totally fine. But you're absolutely right. James Cameron makes films that cross languages. You could literally watch Terminator in a foreign language, but still get the premise of it. And same with the Avatar films. And that's kind of what he works in. If you don't like it, okay, fair enough. It's not for you then. I'm, I'm not trying to say that you know, in like a pissy way, but it's kind of true. <laughs> um, yeah. And I love the lines. Like, they're funny. You know, the fact that this guy doesn't know Freud. Uh, the fact that Cal doesn't know art. He just kind of goes to the fact that they don't really know this stuff. And it's not like they're even playing. It, 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 let, it informs character. And later down the line, when these guys act impulsively or stupidly, you, you buy it. You get that mm-hmm. this guy... Is all is you get that the guy that doesn't understand Freud mm-hmm. and he he's he, his ego is blinding him to what the right thing is. He's like, well, if the ship gets there a day early, think about the press, think about what they'll say, and it's like, we'll bro, be famous. Come on, you know the fact that they didn't put in as many lifeboats as they needed to to make sure that everyone on the ship can get off safely. You you get all that, and the same thing with Cal. So, you know, you mm-hmm. have these characters that are so obsessed with fame and title and money that it's like they don't know about these things that that you can't put a dollar amount to you know like picasso you know you Mm -hmm. you can't make money off of him so obviously picasso's not good or with freud you know it's like right so i that's why i'm okay with it because it informs their character yeah and i i like some people did not like how obvious cal was as a villain but i i feel like it's it's uh the way he he reveals his like true nature is really slow and it i don't know that scene when he grabs his like manservant butler guy's gun is oh that's like that's good villainy right there you know oh, yeah. it's like it they save the slow motion for that scene and he goes mm-hmm. right to the gun to shoot the guy on a sinking ship <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of surprised that you guys are talking about the gun part because the villain part for me was definitely when he's like yelling at Rose, like, oh, he tosses the table. Yeah, he like flips the table. Oh, yeah. And like, I don't know, like as a kid, I guess I don't remember it. I don't remember Mm -hmm. a lot of the movie as a kid. I just know how it made me feel. (laughs) And I was like, I like this movie. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know. Growing up watching it later on, that was definitely the scariest part. Not the gun. I don't know. The gun. I don't really see guns, you know, in real life all the time, you know, but you do Mm -hmm. see scary people sometimes Mm -hmm. like that. Coffee, sir? I had hoped you would come to me last night. I was tired. Your exertions below decks were no doubt exhausting. I see you had that undertaker of a manservant follow me. How typical. You will never behave like that again, Rose. Do you understand? I'm not a foreman in one of your mills that you can command. 
I'm your fiance. Practice, if not yet by law, so you will honor me. You will honor me the way a wife is required to honor a husband. Because I will not be made out of fools. Is this in any way unclear? No. Good. Excuse me. Yeah, it def definitely is easier to see a guy flipping out on his girlfriend, like in a public space. That, that That's a really real violence that that a lot of people see. The gun thing is just like, you know, boy brain sees action movie, mm -hmm. bad guys shooting the good guy. He's, you know, <laughs> it, it, it works on, on that level for, I, I, it works, he works as a villain for multiple um, audiences. Yes. Oh, that's a good way of phrasing it. Yeah, because you have your, your dumb shoot gun shootout where he's chasing them straight up, you know. <laughs> that's the Terminator part of the movie. But, yeah. that, but that scene, though, you're right, Anissa, where he tosses it and he starts yelling at her. It starts off, you know, like they're sitting and then he, they're speaking, you know, like, like rich people do. Oh, where were you last night? I was expecting you in my chambers. And then he's just <laughs> like, what the fuck are the it, it, but it's real and it's visceral i that phrasing that you said it austin perfect it's a villain for different different viewpoints there's even that scene earlier where he takes a cigarette out of her mouth like mm -hmm. he gets to control what she can do and he's going to teach her how to be a woman and then she like leaves and he goes and like kind of coerces her to come back so you you already see like the red flags there mm -hmm. and then he throws the table like that's that that is like the the huge like oh this is a very bad man here. Yeah, he even <laughs> ordered her food for her if you remember yeah. that part. Oh, that's right. He's like, we're both gonna have the lamb, like, and she just looks at him <laughs> <laughs> like there's no other option. Um, What's mm. interesting is that it really resonated with you, whereas for me that scene did not resonate when I was a child. Like again, my child ape brain was very much like the sinking ship. Yo, that is cool <laughs> and scary. But with you, it's like that scene where he does that, where he tosses the table, that hit you on a different level. Where that's the if you that's the scariest part for you. It's like, whoa, we are watching this with very different eyes, and I I think that's really fascinating. Yeah, I think I mean I, everything I'm talking about watching. I don't necessarily think I registered any of it at seven or eight. Um, this is probably me rewatching it at fifteen. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but because like then you kind of know oh wow this is like not a good person but yeah. but like definitely that that part um was bad and then also like i don't know if we want to get into this but the mom too was mm. so like overbearing and overwhelming like at the point when she was just like do you want me to be a seamstress forever <sighs> or do you want me to become a seamstress and it was Jesus just so Christ. like manipulative and stuff. And I was like thinking like, what, what do you say like now? Like if this was now, she wouldn't say seamstress. Would she just be like, do you want me to be a Walmart greeter? I don't know. Um, no, 100%. You're not to see that boy again. Do you understand me? Rose, I forbid it. Oh, stop it, mother. You'll give yourself a nosebleed. This is not a game. Our situation is precarious. You know the money's gone. Of course I know it's gone. You remind me every day. 
Your father left us nothing but a legacy of bad debts hidden by a good name. That name is the only card we have to play. I don't understand you. It is a fine match with Hockley. It will ensure our survival. How can you put this on my shoulders? Why are you being so selfish? I'm being selfish. Do you want to see me working as a seamstress? Is that what you want? To see our fine things sold at auction? Our memories scattered to the winds? We're women. Our choices are never easy. That the mom was she I mean, don't get me wrong, she was shitty. Shitty to Rose. I mean, the whole movie is people just being shitty to Rose. Even her own mother. Straight up just guilt tripping her into being married to this guy who we're already getting glimpses that he's a shitty ass person. Oh, wait, I can't remember. Did did that table scene where he shouted at her happen before or after that? And I'm getting my uh, I'm getting the timeline a little. I think it happens after because the table flip happens after uh, he has his butler spy guy like follow her into like going down under with all the 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 poor people and them doing the the dancing and stuff. Right, yeah. Because then he's like, "Why well, I was expecting you in my chambers last night," and then table flips, and then she's getting dressed, and she she tells her, "Cal's a good man," you know. Okay, so even then, so it so yeah, it happened after that. Then it's like, oh, he's not a good guy. He's awful. But the fact that you're still like telling her, like, you gotta do this. If not, you're. I have to work, and it's like. What the fuck? How she's so awful, so awful. Mm. And there was a line that she said that kind of maybe ease up a little bit on her, where she, where she's like, "We're women," like, it, as if saying, like, we really don't have that many options. Mm. And you, I mean, I mean, I, I'm a guy, so I can't even really relate to what women go through from today. Now, granted, over a hundred years ago, fuck no. But that little line at the end is like, that little line gives you a hint where it's like, okay, let's say her mother's supportive. It's like, you know what? Fine. You don't want to marry Cal. Cal's a piece of shit. You and me, it's us. What are we going to do? You think about it. It's like, well, if you're in debt or you don't have money, you got to claw your way out. I mean, the options are not good for you. Now, granted, you're taking the high road by supporting your daughter, but it's not a justification, but it is like a little moment where I was like, it kind of took me a step back and I was like, okay, let me see this from a bigger perspective, right? Yeah, it's kind of like, like when I'm talking about like, oh, well, what kind of job would it be now? It's like, well, yeah, then that's okay. (laughs) Um, Do you want me to go work at like like some kind of a job that that I'm not usually in or people in in her status are not usually in? Well, yeah, you like, yeah, that's what you should do, you know? That's, um, that's what everybody else does. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's very like, yeah, okay, you could do that. People do do it. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Meanwhile, you're asking, like, the um, one of the servants to, like, make you tea while the ship is sinking. Like, what if oh. you were the servant? 
<laughs> like that. Oh my god! Mm. And that, and it happened the second time with that guy where he's like, "I'd like a brandy, please." Yeah. Oh, that. Mm-hmm. Th- that's. <clears throat> I mean, it's not. I mean, we're, since we're talking about things we don't like, and not now, it seems like we've moved from things that we maybe think haven't held up in the film to now things that we dislike in the film, but not about the film. Something I dislike in the film are just the rich people. Like they are. <laughs> they are just awful from cow to the mom to her being like i'd like a tea when i come back or you know that guy's like i'd like a brandy and it's just like you guys like <sighs> like the fact that you're not comprehending what's happening is pissing me the fuck off makes me wonder like if you guys have seen parasite yes yes love love parasite yeah if like bong jun ho kind of saw titanic and saw first class on the top of the ship and then third class on the bottom of the ship like if that inspired him or anything because it's it's very like top of the ship sea balconies you know bottom of the ship hardly any rats that's a good reference because parasite is very much like lint like very vertically driven as well like there's a lot of imagery like when you go up the stairs going down the stairs you know like when it's pouring rain towards the end of the film like they're constantly going down the steps like i would not be surprised if bong joon said like he kind of he went in doing research and getting prepped for parasite he kind of revisited some of these hollywood classics that went into social inequalities and titanic Mm -hmm. is definitely probably on that list because i mean it's very upfront and honest about it. it's like the titanic is about the sinking ship and it about these two people loving each other that is that is what's on the poster but in terms of the main theme it's not i I'm, you could argue what the main theme is but i think it's very much like the social in like the social structure set in place and how it routinely if not all the time fucked over poor people and you're yeah, all you're, the time and you're you're showing you're demonstrating that on the ship like even before the sinking happens and during the sinking. So it's, I would not be surprised. And you're right. Like there's a lot of visuals that are kind of taken from Titanic that you could kind of think like, oh, like maybe Bong Joon-ho did watch Titanic. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. <laughs> there's even the the concept of like the, the second class people, like the, the workers there are treated better than the uh, poor, poor people that are at the bottom that can't even get out. Of, of when the Titanic is sinking. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like it goes into it more in in, in Parasite because mm-hmm. the spoilers for Parasite. If you haven't seen Parasite, please go watch Parasite. It's a, an amazing movie. If the subtitles are hard to read, you can pause and rewatch stuff. It's it's an amazing movie. And they have they do have a dub version of it. Um, okay. Um, but there's, there's like this second half of the movie, it shows how desperately those like third class people do not want to go back to being third class people after reaching second class they're like fighting amongst themselves not to go back down the social um, economic ladder and you you kind of see it a little bit in titanic because you have you have like that that butler guy who used to be a cop who's just like he's just likes being cruel and nosy you know he wants to like make sure that leo or, or jack knows his place as mm-hmm. beneath him you know just like watching the watching the dude after he's tied up chained up to a pipe as a boat is sinking just like unloading his gun and like letting the bullet roll down the the desk and he's like hmm i do believe this ship is sinking 
<laughs> well, taunting him and also hitting him, you know. Yeah, he hits him too. There's something about obviously doing your job, right? Like, okay, these rich people pay me. I'm going to do my job. There's that. And then there's, nah, fuck you. I'm a fuck with you. They're not even paying. The cow isn't even paying me extra to do this. I'm doing it mm-hmm. because I dislike you. And now I'm yeah. going to make you feel even worse than what you are. And that's why I hate that cop guy. I'm like, <laughs> do you think he's like, Leo, you are so likable. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I don't know about the cop. I think with the cop, it might be that he he likes messing with people like that. But that's why Cal hates Leo. Oh, that's yeah, why. For sure. That's why at the very end when it's like Master Hawken, like she has gone with the rat or something. And that's when Cal gets the gets the gun. Because because deep down you know that Cal hates Leo because Leo beat him. That Jack has beaten him. He's more handsome. That's probably what he's thinking like in his head. He's like, he's more handsome than me. But but he but he can't. Oh, I'm more he's, educated. He's uh, also more charismatic than him too, because when he invites him over to the to the dinner thing, yeah. He's he wants to embarrass him. Mm-hmm. But Jack gives that speech and everyone toasts him. Cal did not like that. Not How can all these bit. people toast to a peasant's? Uh, 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 he's not. He he didn't use any vocabulary words. I, I went to Harvard. I feel like all of him though is just all money. Like he's it has like mm-hmm. no education back. None of it. It's just like oh, I you know you can just throw your money around and get to wherever you need to go. And it's kind of upsetting the the status quo by not having money and still kind of kind of getting up by merit you know absolutely mm-hmm. it feels very much like that like you don't get a sense that these are particularly really smart people they they landed into money some of them got lucky or some of them are old money you know because they, they they make most that of them are old money right yeah except for will... kathy bates's character the unsinkable mary mary brown was it molly, molly brown, brown. Molly but, Brown. But that's why they don't like Molly <laughs> because she's new money. So clearly, these mm-hmm. guys are old money. Old money is what parents gave them to them. They're part of a lineage, part of a legacy, whatever a dynasty you could call it. So that's why they don't like Molly because she just came into the money. Um. So even really then, like, yeah, you're right. Like these people don't really know what's good and stuff like that. Like they they suck. <laughs> Mm-hmm. even Cal doesn't know how to run his money because you know we find out at the very end that Rose is like yeah he he ended up he lost all this money and he killed himself <laughs> or so I read or so I read yeah. I mean God yeah damn. <laughs> like who who would know how to like keep all their money though in the 20s like three people mm-hmm. you know um, because yeah. because of the, the financial collapse and all that so Mm-hmm. I don't really fault him for not knowing how to keep his money. I mean, you know, he's a fake person, but it's like he, he was already yeah. going to be doomed. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. There is just something satisfying about seeing a man who's so up his own ass crumble to to a peasant mm-hmm. like like Jack. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was funny because I was laughing that scene when they're walking away. It's like he's clearly she's clearly chosen him. And he, like right before he grabs the gun, he's like he's thinking about all the things that Jack has that he doesn't. It's like, like he he, he must be funny. He, he must have a big penis. I no, I cannot. I will not. And that's when he grabs the gun. I just I love that. Yeah. That was so funny. You can see all like the the thought process and everything. And you remember the oh, it's so 
like the movie is like so well crafted because before that, right, they're like trying to make up their plan. I make my own luck. That's like his catchphrase, right? Mm-hmm. And and he he says it again, right, when he like goes into the uh, vault to grab some money and the the heart of the ocean and everything. And he says his line again. I make my own luck. And then his butler valet, oh, what's his name? It's something silly, right? Uh, Spicer Lovejoy. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> When Lovejoy, he, he points his gun, says, so do I. <laughs> and and that's when what he's thinking when he's like walking away, seeing that Rose has chosen Jack. And he goes in and grabs the thing that Lovejoy pointed to when he said, I make my own luck, too. It's oh, I, I love it. It's so it's constructed so well. I didn't even that notice I, that. That's a good point. Actually leads <clears throat> leads into one of the things that I really like about this film. It's very well constructed, both in a figure figurative sense and also in a literal sense <laughs> because uh so, so the, the the you know figurative the movie's really well put together it's a romance film but it's a disaster movie right it's both of these parts and the movie is essentially cut into two parts right you've got the romance and then you've got the uh, the disaster part at the end but the movie tonally never loses itself it's it's funny it's a uh, charming it's romantic, it's sexy, uh, and it's action-packed, and it's suspenseful. And there are some scenes where it's straight-up a horror film. Oh, um, yeah. But the movie never loses track. It never it never, it never, feels like I'm watching a mess. I'm seeing someone take me through all these different emotions at all these different moments. It feels well-directed. You know, you've got that scene where it's like, I make my own luck. Well, I make mine. That little trick of having <laughs> Billy go for listening to that and then grabbing the gun when he's going to shoot Jack. It's like, oh, I didn't notice that. But yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. You know, having the entire framing device of being of having an older Rose tell this story. It's really it's really good because, number one, you justify the amount of exposition that there needs to be. Right. Like you have the mm-hmm. scene where they're talking about the ship being destroyed and stuff. It's like, OK, this is obviously being told to the audience, but it makes sense in the context of it. But what's also brilliant is that we constantly cut back to older Rose. And there's well, one. Constantly? Not, not like constantly, it's... but a few times throughout the film. But what that does, it, it constantly remi- it reminds us of what's inevitably going to happen. There's one scene right. where it's like right after Jack and Rose declare their love for each other. And Rose like is when like. When she, she chooses him. She right. chooses him. You've got that scene where they're at the head of the ship. I don't know what it's called. The, the front, the head, the stern. The Titanic part. The, yeah, the Titanic <laughs> The part. king of the world part. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no. Well, not king of the world because that's with Fabrizio. This is like the, oh, we're, we're in love, you know. It's the scene that everyone knows. Mm-hmm. It's the scene. In- I'm flying, Jack. I think it's the port. Or no, the, the bow. The bow of the ship. I just looked it up. Uh, oh, okay. okay. See, I have no yeah. idea. Port, starboard, I don't. <laughs> Starboard's the, right side. Yeah. Yeah, but at that scene, <laughs> there's a beautiful, it, you've got that shot, but then it dissolves back to the to sunken Titanic. And mm-hmm. that was that's like a turning port. And that's where Rose, older Rose says, like, that was the last sunset that that ship ever saw. So you've got this, you've got these uplifting moments and we go back to modern day and we realize oh shit like this is still gonna happen a lot of people are about to die it's that brilliant it's constructed so brilliantly so it's like yeah it's a three hour and ten mo- ten minute movie it doesn't feel that long because you've got all it these really highs doesn't. and lows you've you're yeah. the anticipation of what is rose gonna say 
when's the ship gonna happen what happened to jack because he's clearly not there in modern day does he live <laughs> does he die we don't know it's so brilliantly constructed and that's those are the grand macro sense of the word but in the micro like just the way scenes are shot the way they're acted it's yeah so well put together the way it chooses to like go from like the sunken titanic to the 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 set like the multi-million dollar set of titanic like with like period piece titanic like the way it fades in and out is like oh that was pretty cool I like that. (laughs) And this goes back to what I was saying. Literally, this movie was constructed really well because it's Mm -hmm. you could see the money, the the production designers, the architects, the the prop masters, the 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 decorators, the costume people. Like this movie is constructed phenomenally. There's really there's a few VFX shots that don't hold up, but I'm not even gonna knock that because they were making this with technology from the nineties. Like Yeah. So he's 25 years old. And it, for the most part, it still looks really, really good, except for a few shots. Mm-hmm. It's like the Matrix mm-hmm. in a way, you know? It's like yeah, some of the things that don't hold up as well are things that they were really ambitious about. But I'm not going to knock it for that mm-hmm. if in the end. I feel like they were building blocks, too, of what happened later. So I read that there was a part where Rose and Jack, they go running across the hallway or something. I don't know where they were running, but they were running around. And that was actually stunt people. And they um, they superimposed like their heads on top of it, um, on top what? of the st- stunt people. It was just like a scene or two. I'm a, I'm I, I didn't look it up uh, like which scene, but I'm guessing it's the one where they were like running from Cal or something. And they said it's like super out of focus. You can kind of tell. You can kind of tell. But I feel like that's what happened for the Social Network, like the Winklevoss twins. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just Army Hammer, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so it's the same kind of thing, I think. And it, it's, you know, you, you do it in a big movie like this. You can do it in another big movie later. Mm-hmm. Dude, I, I thought Army Hammer had a brother. I did too. I <laughs> Just did like too. Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. <laughs> the parent trap. <laughs> Watching the movie, I was like, oh, they got an actor that has a twin brother. That, and like, they can fortunately both act. Oh, what happened to the other Hammer? Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Or like Lindsay Lohan, like how does she have two accents? It must be two different people. They must have been separated at birth. Whatever happened to Lindsay Lohan's sister? She has to have a normal life now. What was it like living Uh, in London? (laughs) (laughs) No, but you're absolutely right. This movie did so much work pushing BFX Mm -hmm. that it's hard to say whether this was the first movie that implemented a lot of that technology, but because of the success and because of how well they achieved it, future films would go on and look at Titanic as like a blueprint and say, okay, mm. this is how they did it back in the day. This is how they did it for this film. How are we going to use the technology and build upon it? And that's that's mm. key. That's James Cameron's 101. It's like he builds this stuff and people build on top of it and it's like this is how you move an industry forward and titanic did that a hundred percent yeah man i mean again we're watching this what 26 years later and i'm still astounded by some of the cinematography in this by some of the shots there's there's uh one thing that i wanted to uh talk about with the frame aspect of the story like the framing of like old rose is telling the story to these treasure hunters Mm -hmm. in the when she first gets there they don't even one of the guys Who's like really crass and he says he says he's just like a I don't know, it feels kind of um like a fat phobic uh stereotype kind of guy, you know? Mm-hmm. 
and he's he shows like the demonstration of the titanic sinking and he explains it to rose and he's like look at look at this ass this ship has a fat ass you know he's he's obnoxious okay here we go she hits the berg on the starboard side right she kind of bumps along punching holes like morse code dip, 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 along the side below the water line then the forward compartments start to flood now as the water level rises it spills over the watertight bulkheads, which unfortunately don't go any higher than E-deck. So now as the bow goes down, the stern rises up, slow at first and faster and faster until finally she's got her whole ass sticking up in the air. And that's a big ass. We're talking 20, 30,000 tons, okay? And the hull's not designed to deal with that pressure. So what happens? She splits right down to the keel and the stern falls back level. Then as the bow sinks, it pulls the stern vertical and then finally detaches. Now the stern section just kind of bobs there like a cork for a couple of minutes, floods and finally goes under about 2.20 a.m., two hours and 40 minutes after the collision. The bow section planes away, landing about a half a mile away, going 20, 30 knots when it hits the ocean floor. <laughs> Pretty cool, huh? Thank you for that fine forensic analysis, Mr. Bodine. Of course, the experience of it was somewhat different. But he doesn't even believe Rose is who she says she is. Mm -hmm. And then as she's telling the story and they get to that part where she says, that was the last sunset the Titanic ever saw. He's kind of invested in her story. Mm -hmm. he's, he's getting frustrated with the the captain uh and the the guy who's obsessed about the the press and he wants his him to be more famous and everything he's upset that 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 those guys in charge had the information that there were ice warnings and you know maybe it wasn't safe to to go that fast he's upset that they didn't react appropriately with the warnings you know so he's like already more invested in the story as are like the people that she's telling it to and as her story goes on there's a i think around where um jack dies like you see the people reacting to that part of the story and they're like in tears mm -hmm. and it's it's like a really funny way of like getting the audience like having the audience feel like their emotions are appropriate because you can see it in the characters that she's telling the story to it feels very manipulative but i feel like it's it's like a good manipulation <laughs> You know, it's less obnoxious than like a laugh track for a sitcom. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of like um, I, f I feel like it's kind of like, do you guys remember Get Out where yes. mm -hmm. um, they're like, you know, the the TSA guy is basically mm. all of us. <laughs> yes. It's like it, it's, yes. it's like that. It's like I I know how you feel. Oh, no. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of like that with these with this guy like he first he's like really crass about it all like he's he's like uh -huh. anyway so the the ship snaps in half and then it just bobs its head like a cork or whatever um <laughs> and and like first of all like re-watching this like last week i thought wait why is she on a boat right now <laughs> it, it felt like she was in a submarine too like it was just very like wait i would not want to be down there like but mm -hmm. um you know okay we put that aside she wanted to like you know be brave let's say as a, as a mm -hmm. very old woman she just wanted to be brave 
still like, you know, um, I feel like he was, he wasn't really thinking about her feelings. And then she was explaining it all. Right. Basically this guy is like basically all of us, uh, going, what mm-hmm. happened next? What happened now? Like, how come they didn't see it? You know? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's so good. hundred percent. And that framing device is, it's kind of, I mean, you say it's manipulation. It, it is though. It's active manipulation, it's, it's but good it's good manipulation, but it's, it's done very well. It's like, like Anissa, you said it's get out. Like, honestly, I felt the exact same way as this guy. You mm-hmm. know, and by the end, you know, you're crying. You're like, oh, shit, man. Like, you know, did did you did uh, I looked up like how come they didn't see it? Um, and it turns out that it was uh, I think they call it an ice mirage or a water mirage. So they literally couldn't have seen it. You know, they were looking. They just didn't see it because it was a mirage and they didn't think it was there. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, it, there there was re- literally no way around it except for. If they actually hit it head on, they would have survived long enough to be saved, which is crazy. What? Wow. If they had hit it head on? I think so, yeah. If they if they turned a little bit, and because they turned, they kind of scraped the side. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think Mr. Andrews explained it. He's like, oh, well, okay, this menu chamber's got hit. That's it. We're done. As it, opposed to yeah. just the one filling up? I guess, yeah. Whoa. Well, no hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they learned a lot of about ship making and stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, then, oh they did. Yeah, yeah. I I figured I didn't know about ice mirages or water mirage. I I figured it was just dark. You know, like you're in the middle of the ocean. There are no lights. It must have been pitch black. Did they have sonar it, back then? Was that? Oh like, no, I don't think that? so. No. I don't it, know. World you know what they, well, they did, did they did get the ice warnings two? though well they did but i think it was like through other ships you know like ships that were uh, ahead of them like passing mm-hmm. the message on to the previous boats like hey watch out because there's uh there's ice here oh um, i don't know if they had sonar but they had okay, fucking binoculars did. back then <laughs> and they didn't even and they're like did we find the binoculars nah we'll be fine though and i'm like yeah, they yeah. they make it seem like the the it was irresponsibility and like greed that, that on kinda... a lot of fronts. Yeah, yeah, like I, it's hard to explain. You know, it's hard to be like, oh well, it's an ice mirage. Hold on, let me explain what that is. <laughs> it's <laughs> and so that's how you would hit the thing. <laughs> yeah, it's so much easier to just be like, okay, well, where are the binoculars? Anyway, we were looking at something else. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like the implication that the the guys watching were distracted by a Rose and Jack kissing. Yeah. <laughs> but they're a little warmer than we are. <laughs> uh, but I there's just so there that's one of the things too. There's so many things that are painted as irresponsible in this movie that are like how true is it? I don't really know. Like, I'm sure some of the bigger details are true. Like, the fact ship that... The ship did sink. The, I mean, the ship did sink. <laughs> there's no denying that. Uh, Not but, everybody made it. <laughs> but, uh, like, I'm sure... I mean, but, but the hubris was on display from even the in real life. Like, we could talk about, oh, this didn't really happen. The captain, whatever. But they did call the Titanic the unsinkable ship. <laughs> That come, come on, like you're asking for trouble at that point. Like even I would have been like, if I was about, really, you I really think, think it's unsinkable? Like come on, guys. Like didn't Cal say God Himself couldn't even sink this ship? 
he did say Cal that. Cal had the best Son lines, for sure. <laughs> he Cal had the best uh, He lines. did. And Billy Zane my own delivered luck. them all beautifully. Uh, there's there's an art to, to making your... To, to playing a villain that's like that, like twirly mustachey, just that, uh, there's there's an art to that, you know? And I think a lot of people are like, he's too obvious of a villain, you know? But like, so what, you know? He does it so well. It's also, it's also 1997, if you guys, you know, recall, things were mm-hmm. a lot more obvious then, I feel. <laughs> like a lot of the, the, like, writing and stuff, it was very, like, like, action movies were just more corny. I guess half of them were James Cameron, but still, <laughs> they were, they were corny, you know, like, um, Bad Boys and things like that. They're, they're all very obvious. Independence Day. Oh, I hate Independence Day. <laughs> Welcome to I Earth. Hate that movie. <laughs> I like that line though. Yeah. I like that line, but I hate that movie. See, but there corny. isn't. But I agree with you. There's nothing wrong in being open and honest about what you're doing. You know, I, 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 I keep saying, like, I keep seeing this. Like, people are like, "Oh, it's not edgy. It's not subtle." It's like, look, every movie brings something different. If you want something subtle, go watch something subtle. But you know, mm. when you're watching Titanic, you're seeing this big melodramatic romance film. Like, quit, quit be like, well, Cal is not as nuanced because, you know, he, Billy Zane just kind of does too much. And it's like, no, I like that he's doing too much. You know why? Because it's entertaining. It's, it's funny. It's so entertaining. It's oh so entertaining. God. And this dude, he, he is despicable. He's a straight up villain. What did you, what did you want him to do? Have a, have tea with Jack and be like, uh, talk about <laughs> his fragile masculinity and. <laughs> how maybe he hasn't hasn't had the best relationship with women no no i want billy zane running around the titanic shooting slipping Jack. and falling because he can't run <laughs> oh. i feel like that's more entertaining yeah i feel like my top two lines actually i wrote out my favorite meme lines because i just love the memes from this movie <laughs> and two out of three are billy zane i realize (laughs) i have a child that's the one that comes out every every tax season you know anybody you know that have a child (laughs) you send them that meme and you go i have a child um that and uh whenever my husband and i misplace things like we just randomly yell i put the diamond in the coat and I put the coat on her. <laughs> oh, <laughs> could be anything. My God, I <laughs> love that scene. Funny. I put the diamond in the coat. And I put the coat on her! I was like, you dumb motherfucker. Oh, 
it was funny as you kind of forget about the diamond in in that moment until he says it you know because like mm -hmm. the whole reason they're digging for the titanic the whole reason rose is telling the story is because the guys with the technology the treasure hunters they're trying to find the diamond but we forget about it because we're enraptured in the story of, of of rose surviving this this tragedy and meeting the love of her life it's so mm. good you, you know i will say something we were talking a little bit about kind of um billy zane or a cow and kind of how he managed his money and maybe it's not his whole fault but thinking about that <laughs> entire scene and kind of <laughs> thinking about that scene i'm like wait you know that whole thing i make my own luck he looks at the gun, he takes it because he wants to kill Jack. He misses and he shoots like the statue, but then when he's chasing them, he slips on that broken piece. Something <laughs> that that statue piece, he would not have slipped, but his aim is so, you know, he, he missed it, so he created his own luck by falling, mm -hmm. or his bad luck. He created his own bad luck. And then he gives Rose the heart of the ocean. He did that himself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he does create his own luck. Granted, it's bad luck. So when it's like he lost all his money, it's like, I'm pretty sure he created his own bad luck then too. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he invested in crypto. <laughs> <laughs> he did something. But it's it, a lot of a lot of Cal's bad luck really just comes down to him doing it himself. Like, why is why does Rose not love him? Because he is manipulative. He is controlling. He's a piece of shit. Never admits when he's wrong. He could have survived way longer in the, in, than in the trip, but nope. He he had to be like, I have to kill that rat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I always win. <laughs> did he, I think did he, he says say that, that, that too, right? He does, I think yeah. So. Man, the best lines. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he, James Cameron makes like the best movie villains. He really does. I think I think it's the lack of nuance in them that actually, like <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like okay I, I can get behind a bad villain like i'm down and the the actors that that he picks to play them is like i will play this 110 <laughs> percent yeah people people will remember me for being this awful despicable person and i'm i'm here for that <laughs> well i mean think about it though that's not far off i mean look terminator Arnold Schwarzenegger is the villain. Mm -hmm. go, gone on to be a, a, a Hollywood star. You know, the second one you've got the T one thousand played by um, Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick and Robert Patrick is not joking. He's not doing it. It's a different type of villainy, but he's still remembered. Barely for talking. That mm -hmm. He barely talks. Barely talks. Titanic. Billy Zane. Like you're right. He pick. He knows how to pick the right people, and they know how to play this certain role, and they all nail it. Like. They're all great. Yeah. Move around, please. And lower away. You're a good liar. Even away. Almost as good as you. Easy now. And lower away. There's no, uh, there's no arrangement, is there? No way. No, there is. Even. Not that you'll benefit much from it. And even away. I always win, Jack. And lower away evenly, lads. One way or another. What's that trim? Trim that boat. All right, everyone. So if you owned Titanic 
on the VHS cassette, uh, you'd know that the movie was so long that it had to be split into two cassettes. And that's what we're going to be doing here as well. This episode is so long that we decided to split it into two. Just a lot easier for people to listen to and kind of digest and easier to edit as well. (laughs) But uh, I hope you enjoyed the conversation we've had about the story. In the second part, we get into the production side of the film. So we talk about the casting. We talk about the making of the Titanic sinking. We go into a ton of the behind the scenes stuff, some really cool facts. And we also talk about an incident that that occurred while filming where the entire crew accidentally ingested PCP in their clam chowder. So join us next week when the second part comes out. Hope you had a good time. Find us on Instagram at retrograde underscore pod. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, if you still use Facebook. And again, if you really like this episode, give us a rating. It really helps. So thank you very much, everyone. Have a good night and we'll see you next week.